Hey guys, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is David Dorner, and I am the teaching pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it is so good to be with you. Our mission in this world is to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus for a lifetime or if your journey's just begun, we hope that this message will speak powerfully to your heart, that it will reveal something that God desires to cultivate in your life, and that you'll be drawn to the person of Jesus as a result. We hope these next few moments encourage you, challenge you, and inspire you to be who God has created you to be. We hope you enjoy it. I was so into that bumper, I forgot I had to preach. I was just like, the music just captures you. Well, good morning, everybody. You're going to help me out? Oh, my Bible. That's good, Jesse. Thank you so much. Sheesh, who is this guy? Hi, my name is John. I was actually just walking by this morning, and they're like, hey, you want to preach? And I was like, I've never done that before. And I, they were like, that's okay, come on in. And so uh, how many of you are new here this morning? My name, you know, you're new, okay, great. Some of you don't want to raise your hand, like I'm not sure if I'm coming back here. I'm not letting them know that I'm new here. There are gifts, make sure you get a gift uh, when you get here. And, uh, and, and also when you walk in, you're going to see this huge wall out there called the Zero collective. Has anybody seen that? Have you seen that? Raise your hand if you've seen it. Some of you haven't seen it. It's really big. I'm, you need to have your eyes checked. It's like right there in the lobby. You haven't seen it? And some of you are like, I just don't want to raise my hand. I get it. I'm new to West Michigan. My wife, Danielle, and I are both pastors. And so if you need to, you know, tell us anything or, you know, we're both pastors. So I see this marriage retreat on here, marriage night, which is going to be awesome. We're actually going to talk about a wedding today. But you seriously need to do this, and um, it's going to be good. Anyhow, uh, what was I talking about, Jesse? You gave me my Bible, my wife, marriage. marriage. My, I have a wife. I have a wife and two kids. We're new here to West Michigan. That's where I'm going with this. We're new here to West Michigan, and I don't know how the winters are because I was told last winter was light. Is that true? Uh, give me a thumbs up if you're like, it was a light winter, Okay. Yeah, some of you, okay. Now give me a thumbs down if you're like, you're gonna die this winter because you have no idea what you're getting into. Yeah, you have no idea. I have no idea. The neighbors, I asked the neighbors, is this a normal winter? And they're like, no, no, no. I was like, I don't think I'm ready for a normal winter. So uh, we'll be in prayer for each other. But Zero Collective, it's on the wall. Did you, do you remember it now? How many of you saw the big Zero Collective sign? And, and I was, you know, I was reading the the bumper as it was playing, and I was like reminded of the Zero Collective. And there's a whole network of churches in the Zero Collective. Like, you guys are doing some pretty amazing things around the city. And let's give it up for Pastor Brian and the team here at Frontline. Absolutely. Um, my wife, Danielle, I told you she's a pastor, and she's been able to speak. We've both been able to speak. And a lot of those Frontline, uh, those zero collective churches, and just being able to be a part of what's happening there. And it's really super exciting. And, and I'm honored to be here this morning. I'm excited to be here. If you don't know me, uh, I am the best guest preacher Frontline has. Um, and uh, last time I was here was a Friday. Brian texted me, like, hey, you want to you know, preach? Can you preach? We got some things going. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And then this week it was like Wednesday, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. I'm so pumped and excited. I love coming to Frontline. I really do. One is the band. Can you give it up for the band? Isn't that awesome, right? 
And the other thing is uh, you people. Seriously, uh, you're awesome people. And my wife, Danielle, and I, we get, we get to travel to different churches and experience uh, all that God is doing in our region and where we serve. We get to serve churches and pastors. Any way that they'll let us serve them, that's what we do. Um, and I tell you, when we come to Frontline, though, there's something special about this place. There's something special about the people. The encouragement and the inviting in and the energy in this place. And I, I tell you what gets me most pumped about Frontline. And when people ask us about Frontline and what's going on at Frontline, we always tell them they have this agenda. And it's very, very clear. It's to love the city of Grand Rapids and to love the surrounding area and to love these people. But this zero collective vision that you share together is a very powerful one. And I, and I want you to know that as you've been discussing it and talking about it throughout the weeks, and if you haven't heard those uh, discussions and conversations, you, you need to go online. Not right now. I'm preaching right now. But, but go online when you get home and watch those and catch up on those because it's pretty powerful, the vision that God has not only given to Pastor Brian, but to the leadership of this church and to the congregation of this church to see this, this idea this zero collective idea, not only be unpacked and just be like an idea, to be, actually be a vision that guides a congregation is super powerful. And you should know that as people ask Danielle and I, like, well, what's going on at Frontline? And we share with them about the zero collective, and we share with them what God is doing across the region. Like, it always comes back to, but the people there, it's just not like one person's idea, but the people there have caught this. Like God is speaking and God is moving. And I hope that even me being here this morning, um, I can just be like a little nudge, right? You know what a nudge is? Just nudge the person. Just give the person next to you a little nudge. Go ahead. Just give them, not hard. Some of you are like <laughs> really into this. Uh, just, just a little nudge. And, and what I want to talk to you today about, in fact, I've titled the sermon, The Power of a Nudge, like a little tiny bit of movement. And if I could be just a nudge to you today, to encourage you to celebrate what God is doing here at Frontline and what God is doing through the Zero Collective. That's what I, I would absolutely love to do. So I just have a few minutes this morning, and I just want to unpack this, but can I just pray? Would that be okay? I'm just going to pray for our moment um, that the Lord would give us all thought of him, and the Lord would speak to us, the Holy Spirit would speak to us in a powerful, fresh, new way. So Lord, I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would uh, remove me from the moment, and that your Holy Spirit would speak through your scripture, through this moment, through the music, through this environment, through the people sitting next to us and around us. I just ask, Lord, that you would do something very powerful. I pray blessings right now to anybody who's online. I just ask, God, that you would bless them for being faithful and obedient to seek after you, to be curious and to wonder and to explore all that you have for them. I ask, Lord, that they would feel just a part of this moment as we are in this moment now. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. amen. All right, open your Bibles to John chapter 2. We're going to jump right into this. John chapter 2, and I've been in the scripture for a while, and the Lord is just really like, like there's so much that I want to share with you from this scripture. I just have a few moments this morning just to pull out a couple things about the power of the nudge. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's power in the nudge. Go ahead. All right, now give it a little bit more energy, like real happy, real excited. There's power in the nudge. Go ahead, share it. Now just do it real aggressively. Hey, there's power in the nudge. Go ahead. 
right, I like, this side is non-participatory. I can just tell, this side is cynical, and they're like, we're not, we're not raising our hand. We're not a part of this moment. We are just observing all these jokers follow along. That's, that's this edge right over here. This team, you're doing great, okay? This team right here is doing awesome. Pretty good right here, okay? Not as bad as that side, okay? You're doing great over here. But this side, lots of energy. You guys showed up for the early service. You're ready to go. All right, here we go. John chapter 2. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Now, here's who was there. Jesus' mother was there. I'm sure there was a lot of other people there. But Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. I don't know how you read the Bible. But I read the Bible to get to know Jesus. I read the Bible to really know who God is. It's not a, look, 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 look. It's not a self-help book. It's not about you, all right? When you read the scriptures, you're really just trying to find out who God is, who Jesus is, so that you can have a friendship and a relationship with him. Now, I used to work in a wedding venue, all right? And I've done a lot of weddings. I'm a pastor, right? So I've been to a lot of weddings. When I read this scripture about Jesus at a wedding, I have a wild imagination. And I just like to wonder, what was that like? I've never been to a Jewish wedding. Maybe I should go. But I just wonder, like, is there dancing? You know what I mean? Like, what, do they just sit at the table? I mean, what do they do? Is there that awkward moment where they have to feed cake to the other person? Does that cause anxiety for anybody else but me? Like, I can't even watch that where they're feeding each other. Who started that? Let's just end that. Can we just end that? right? Like zero collective, zero people feeding other people cake by hand. Like, let's just, let's just add that in there, right? Put it on the wall. But I, like, like, I just wonder at the wedding, like, like, did they have the song? You know the song, the great, beautiful, romantic wedding song that they play at every wedding. I've got friends in lower places. You know that song? Where the Kool-Aid. No, it's not. But you just wonder, like, did Jesus know that song? Like, was that a song? You know what I mean? Like, if he sang that, I think he'd think of me. You know what I mean? Like, lower, Pete, lower. Anyhow. All right. So they're at a wedding. They're at a wedding. Verse 3. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. Now, this would have been a total disaster of the wedding. If there's anything I know about Jewish weddings, which I've never been to one, but if I was there, I would probably understand that the wine supply Running out is not a good thing. This would have been humiliating, disastrous. And in this environment, in this context, it would have been like, I don't know if this marriage is going to work out. You know what I mean? Like, you know, in a couple of years, they would have some disagreements or whatever. And some people are like, you know, the wine supply ran out at their wedding, right? <laughs> like, we kind of saw this marriage going, Whoa. all right, you know what I mean? Like, the wine supply ran out. So Jesus is in this moment, and the wine supply has run out. So Jesus's mother told him, and this is kind of where it feels a little tension in the room. So Jesus's mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. I, I don't know about you, but when I read that phrase, I'm like, oh boy, oh boy. You know what I mean, Jesus? I'm not going to tell you how to talk to your mom, but dear woman, I wouldn't lead with that. You know what I mean? 
I wouldn't come out of the gate with, hey, woman, this is not my problem, right? But this is what I need you to understand. In this moment right here, Mary sees a problem. Mary saw a problem. I don't know how big of a deal the wine supply running out is, but what I do know is this. When the wine supply runs out, it's a problem. I don't know how big of a problem, small of a problem it is, but Mary saw a problem. And Mary knew that the solution to every problem is Jesus. She just knew that. She knew that the Holy Spirit was active and working, and she knew that no matter what problem you have, there's one main solution to all the problems in the world. Let me get a survey here real quick. How many of you have problems? How many of you have problems? All right, if you don't have your hand raised right now, you're a liar, and that's your problem, okay? We just helped you out, okay? Some of you are taking notes, and if someone near you didn't write, you know, raise their hand, just write, they're a liar. I saw them not raise their hand, okay? But that's the, there's problems in the world. You got problems, I got problems, right? Like, like I think we could summarize all the problems that everybody in, everybody in this room's got problems. I'm just going to let you know that right now. Look at the people next to you. They got problems, okay? They got problems, you got problems. You got transition problems. You're going through a transition and something. My kid turned 12 uh, on September 28th, 12 years old. My little baby boy is now a young man, right? That's a transition I'm not prepared for. I don't know how to handle that. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, got a, I got a nine-year-old daughter. She's turning 37 in a month, right? She's bossing me around, telling me what to do. We're in a transition. Some of you have a transition in your life, job transition, all kinds of transitions, right? Some of you have some tension in your life. There's just this area, this thing that's undealt with. It's confusing. It's a problem. You don't know what to do. You, you tiptoe around it. You don't know how to address it. There's tension in your marriage. There's tension in your finances. There's tension in your job. There's just tension in your life. Can I get an amen from anybody? Amen. Yeah. All right. Some of you have, you get it. Okay. Here's the third one. Trials or tragedies. Trials or tragedies. Look, I've been a pastor long enough to know that every single person here has had trauma, trials, tragedy at some point in your life that have upended everything you believed in that have upended everything that you counted on, that have upended everything that you're trying to step into or step out of. We got tragedies. We got trials. We got problems. And in this moment, the wine supply ran out. And Mary turns to Jesus because she knows, hey, the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is here. We can solve this problem. And she turns to Jesus and she says, all she does, she doesn't tell him what to do. All she does is shares the problem with him, as if maybe he didn't know, but I probably think he did. And she just says, hey, the wine supply has ran out. And his response was this. In that moment, he said, woman, that ain't my problem. Now, I don't know if he said it with that kind of tone, but he just said, not now, not this moment, not this setting, not this situation. And Mary's responses, because here's what Jesus knows. Jesus says, time out, pause, hang on. Jesus says, it's not the right moment because he knows. Jesus knows if I do this miracle right now, in this moment, it starts a ticking time clock that leads to the cross. 
this miracle here, solving this problem, only ends one way. In Jesus Christ solving every problem on the earth with his death and resurrection. He knows that. That his glory would be revealed and what they believed would forever be changed. What they thought of problems and what they thought of situations would now be forever changed because in this moment right here. So Mary gives Jesus a nudge. A little tiny nudge at this little tiny wedding in Cana. There's power in the nudge. I love Mary's response to Jesus going, Mom, not now. Okay, Mom, not now. And all she does, watch, she turns to the servants, but the mother told the servants, just do whatever he tells you. She doesn't talk about it. There's no, like, discussion. There's nothing. She's like, yeah, uh, just do whatever he says. You know what I mean? Like, cute. She gives a nudge, not only to Jesus, but she gives a nudge to the servants. Hey, you know how you got this huge problem, this thing going on, this wine supply has run out? Look, this is Jesus. Do whatever he tells you. I love that Mary responds to the moment. You know what I mean? Like, she's just aware that the Holy Spirit is... Like, look, it was Mary who an angel showed up when she was a little girl and said, you're going to have a virgin birth, right? Like, try to explain that. I don't know how that works, but that's what she lived through that. It was the Holy Spirit that nudged Mary and Joseph to become refugees in Egypt and save Jesus' life. Like, if you read that, like, that was all God speaking to Mary. And Mary in this moment goes, I know exactly what we need to do. And so she nudges. She nudges, and this amazing thing happens. Verse 5, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you, which is just true discipleship. Like, here's the problem, and I'll do whatever you tell me, God. Here's my problem in life. I'm going to do whatever you tell me, Lord. Verse 6, standing nearby, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Now, this is a biblical story problem. How many of you like story problems? Raise your hand. How many of you like math story problems? Look, keep them up. Keep them up. We're going to pray for you right now. <laughs> I see that hand. I see that hand. Let's just pray for the people around you who like math story problems. It's just sad, and we just need to bring it to the Lord. And uh, I cannot do math, but you're going to help me this morning. Standing nearby were six Stone water jars, how many? Six. It's going to get harder, so if you're not, come on. Six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. So when you enter into a pure moment, you have to be pure. So the physical is deeply connected to the spiritual. And so they would kind of wash a little bit, you know what I mean? Just like, hey, this is a holy moment. This is a pure moment. And so I'm going to ceremonially wash my hands and just be prepared for this moment. So I don't want to bring anything dirty into this moment. I don't want to corrupt this moment. And so I'm going to bring this. So this is not clean water. 
This is six bathtubs of not clean water. I don't know who these people are, where they've been, what they stepped in, or when it was last time they took a bath, but they all just took a bath together in these six stone water jars. They're big, and they were used for ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Now, if you don't know how big that is, have you ever seen a five-gallon bucket? This is bigger than that, okay? This is 20 to 30 gallons. And how many jars are there? And how many uh, gallons of water do they hold? Let's just say 25, okay? Let's just make it easy for us. Let's just say 25. Now, Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, verse 8, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. Okay, I want you to fill these dirty jars with water. And then I want you to dip the water out like it's wine and take it to the master of ceremony, which you'll read later. It actually turns into wine. It's a, it's a miracle. So let's do a little math problem, okay? You ready? You have six water jars times 25 gallons. We'll just say 25 gallons. How many gallons is that? That was good. Three of you knew it. You did really good. The other you, you were like, uh, Google. Uh, some of you were like, I'm still figuring out six water jars, John. Uh, I get it. I get it. Some of you are back. Okay, let's, let's, let's do this. Ready? Six times 25 is 150. Six times 25 is? Some of you are still not sure. Six times 25 is 150 equals 19,200 ounces of wine. Now, some of you are like, I can't even fathom 19,200 ounces of wine. Let me put it in redneck terms for you because I'm redneck, okay? When I did this, I was like, I, I can't even imagine how much that is. This is, just so you know, 632 ounce big gulps, okay? 632 ounce big gulps. I'm not talking about, you know what I mean, the 24-ounce Mountain Dews that you give your three-year-old. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the big dog, 32-ounce big gulps of wine, okay, of wine. And you sit there and go, okay, Jesus, what kind of party are you throwing? You know what I mean? Like, why would Jesus make 600 32-ounce big gulps of wine. Why would he do that? Because here's what miracles do. Miracles are like signposts in, the, in your life that point you to a greater truth. This signpost of the wine, look, if you got problems, if you believe that you got problems, and you also have to believe as a Christ follower that you got miracles. Can I get an Amen. If you got problems as a Christian, you can say, well, I also have miracles. And I don't know how miracles work. They are unexplainable, but they're undeniable. And God wants to do miracles in your life. John chapter 14 says this. He tells his disciples and he tells you, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Really? And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I think Jesus made six 
hundred big gulps of wine because in John chapter 14, he tells a lady, he says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. I think if you had 600 big gulps of wine, you would never thirst as well, right? And, and whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Look, you got problems, but you also have the Holy Spirit. So ask him for anything. Like Mary, with this nudge, here's the problem. Now do whatever he tells you. Ask me for whatever you want in my name, and I will do it. You don't have to figure it out. You just have to be obedient and step into the nudge. To be a Christian is really just learning how to lean into the nudges of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder how a, a person like you does it. How do you lean into the miracles that God has for you? Here's the two questions I have. I'm going to go through them very quickly. The two questions are this. The first one is, what if you are someone's nudge? Like, what if, what if God has put you in somebody else's life to be that nudge? To be that person who goes, just do whatever he says. Or do that person who says, what about this? Or be that person in their life who helps them realize, helps them see what all God has for them. Maybe you're a parent or a friend or a coworker or even a neighbor. I truly believe that God has supernaturally and strategically put you in that person's life to be a nudge for them. You're, you're a key. You know how a key works? You know how a key works? I know how a key works. How many of you got keys? You got keys right now? Pull out your keys. Some of you got nice cars and you don't even have keys. You just have these bricks that you carry around in your pocket. I'm talking about keys. That's a nice key. Thank you. Thank you. And, and here's what I'm talking about. I bought a truck a few weeks ago. It's not a nice truck. <laughs> it's, it's a redneck truck. I got a good truck, right? It's a farm truck. Like this truck is from 2002. It's an F-150. Anybody have an F-150? All right. This is a 2002 F-150. And is there something unique about it? I'm getting to it. But I bought this truck, and it, I got a great deal on it. And the reason I got a great deal on it is because uh, the, it's rusty. It's very, it's so rusty. It's so rusty, and it got into a wrestling match with a falling tree. And so there's just dents all over it, right? Now the truck won, okay? And so I bought the truck. I got this truck. I bought the truck from the guy. And I told Dean, my son, Dean, I said, and he's so pumped about having a truck. You know what I mean? And he's like, oh, we got a truck. This is great. And, and you know, and so I, I said, let's go take it to the car wash, as if that's going to help it any. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I'm learning about Michigan cars, all right? And I'm learning about Michigan rust. I did not know you do not take a rusty car through a car wash. You know what I mean? I learned you just dab it. You know what I mean? Just dab dab because I thought we were in the car wash I thought we were gonna lose the whole thing you know what I mean like I was like ah stop stop you know I just just dab just dab the rust you know we don't need to really wash it it's not gonna go away and so 
Anyhow, uh, here's the unique thing about a 2002 F-150. They have, and you can Google this, uh, you can Google this and you'll find out that an F-150 from 2002 has this unique feature um, that you can have the car running or off or whatever, but if you walk away from that truck, it's going to lock the doors. And it will lock those keys inside that car inside that truck. And so we went to the car wash, and I was going to va vacuum it out. I was going to sweep it out. And we were walking towards the mat cleaner with our mats, and I heard, chunk. and I knew that sound. And I turned around, and I looked at that truck. Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> and so I took my 11-year-old boy, and I tried to find a hole big enough in the rust to shove him up into the cab. I had to. I was like, what are we going to do? And my son's like, what are we going to do? I was like, I don't know, son. Let me try to shove you up in this hole. I, I, went to, <laughs> I went to the car wash guy, and I was like, hey, and my phone was in the truck. You know, everything was in the truck. And so I go to him, and I was like, hey, uh, can I borrow your phone? And he was like, dude, it's 2021. What do you need a phone for? You got a cell phone? My cell phone's locked in the truck. He's like, okay. And so I had to call my wife and I was like, can you help me? I locked the keys in the truck. And uh, so we called roadside assistance and they found someone really smart up here on the north side of Grand Rapids because y'all are smart people up here. Okay. And I, uh, you know, called roadside assistance and this guy came down and, and he did a thing with my door, and he opened it up, and I got my keys, and I was able to unlock my car. And you know the very first thing I did, as soon as I got that car running, got the doors unlocked, we went to Walmart, and we bought Armor All for the dash. No, I'm just kidding. We bought another key. We bought another key. And they put the first key in. You know how I make a key? They put the first key in, and then they put the next key in, and it cuts out. Perfect match. I thought, maybe that's your life. That God has put you next to him. He has a relationship with you because he's carving out small nudges in your life. And every problem you have, he's right there. Every experience you have, every tragedy, transition, tension you have is just that key being formed. And not so that you can get around but maybe you're someone else's nudge, like Mary, who came to Jesus and said, here's the key, the nudge, that will unlock so many things for you. Listen to me. You're someone's nudge. You're someone's key that will break chains off, open doors, things that were locked up and unavailable before because God has put you strategically and supernaturally in their life. And I can't explain it, but maybe you're just that first miracle in their life. Maybe you're that moment where the doors come open because the servants knew. The servants were there. And, and listen to this. It says this. I love this. So Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew. 
because they responded to the nudge. They knew what unlocked this moment. They knew what opened this door. They knew about the miracle before the people who experienced the miracle even knew about it. And he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. That's my favorite line. You've kept the best till now. What if you're somebody's nudge? My second question is, what if you are missing your nudge? What if you're like Jesus and you're like, not right now. If you only knew, I feel like, but what if in the anxiety and the depression and everything begins to grow, but what if you're missing your nudge? Man, I'm so grateful, aren't we, that Jesus responded to that nudge. I'm sure God would have worked it out a different way. But Jesus received a nudge, and Jesus responded to a nudge that changed everything. And this line is my favorite. I got to read it again. But you have kept the best until now. Listen, I don't know what you're going through, but the best is now. I don't care what your problem is, what you've gone through, what you've experienced. I'm telling you right now, this is the best. The best is now. And you can, you, look, look, you can say, John, you don't know the year that we've had. You don't, you don't know the experience. That you, you don't know about this. And you don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know Jesus. And I am going to tell you right now the best I possibly can. The best is now. He's working. He's moving. He has set you up. Let me read some of the promises in Scripture. Psalms 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Look, He has ordered your steps. He's carved out your key. He's here right now. Now He's in this moment. The best is now. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long time ago. He's been carving your life, preparing your life for such a time as this. The best is is now. He's not saving it until you get through this. He's not saving it until you get past this. It's right now. God is working right now. Romans 8, 28. For we know that God causes everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God, for called according to his purpose for, the, for them. Revelations 3, 20. Look, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together. I like that. Of all the things that God could do with you, he says, let's just be together. But I'm knocking. I'm nudging. I'm knocking. 
I'm nudging. And I, and I really feel like somebody here today could be missing their nudge. Would you stand with me? As I think about the Zero Collective and the mission that this church is on, zero lost people, zero gods before God, zero unmet needs, zero unconnected in community, zero unfulfilled callings, the Zero Collective. When I think of the Zero Collective, I think of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 24. It's going to be right here. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. That's what the Zero Collective is. It's a hope that we profess a zero collective. For he who promised is faithful. Just do whatever he tells you. Just do whatever he tells you. Don't try to figure out how's this gonna play. Just do whatever he tells you, Mary says. And let us consider. Let us dream up. Let us get creative. Let us consider how we may what? Spur. Spur one another on to the love and good deeds to I put the answer in for you, nudge. This is a church that understands the power of the nudge because it has people in it who understand the power of the nudge. Let me pray blessings over your Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this time. I just ask Jesus that the people in this moment right now who maybe know, they know, that they are somebody's nudge, that they would respond to that, embrace that. And there's somebody here today, God, who is missing the nudge. And they need to be reminded today that you are actively working, moving in their life, and all they need to do is whatever you tell them, to receive the miracle that you have for them promise that you've called them into. I thank you for this church. I thank you for Frontline. I ask, Lord, that you'd bless. In Jesus' name, we all said...